This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, Tim Fitzgerald. GoParacat.com, joined by Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star, Ryan Black of the Manhattan Mercury, and we kicked Matt Walters off this week because of his obscene language last week. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's uh, got other obligations, so we're joined by Tyler Griever, my buddy from WIBW, which hosts The Drive. Thanks for not showing up on Sunday nights and interrupting our TV magic. <laughs> Tyler, let's start with you. Um, man, K-State, you got to see K-State in person on Saturday. They just look like uh, a team that has been with this coach a very long time. They're very efficient at what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's surprising maybe the most so far through two games is just the way they've been able to establish an identity. I think that's what you always look for in a new coach is can you take on the attitude of this guy quickly and really start implementing what he wants to do. And, I mean, the, the way they've just been kind of pounding the ball through, granted, two inferior opponents' throats, but to be able to still do that and as efficient of a fashion, time of possession numbers are pretty eye-popping as well. I think that's what it looks like they have a plan, and it looks like they're just executing it so well right now. And I don't know if I expected that so quickly with the first two games. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. And we're sponsored by Commerce Bank, Matt's employer that wouldn't let him come today because they're tyrants. That's not correct. They're very nice people. Do your banking and commerce if you have money. If you're a sports writer, keep it under your mattress. Here's our... First ever read from Kellis Robinette of NAD. This is going to be amazing. Okay, here we go. Life is full of moments, big and small. Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. Bam! See, who needs Matt? Well done. Who yeah, needs no. Walters? Well yeah, who needs him? We'll have you do the next one in that sultry southern accent, Ryan. I'll do what I can. Yes, <laughs> I want to hear that. Uh, Kellis, I don't I really, honestly, I'm going to be blunt here. I'm struggling for what to ask people because I'm a little dismayed at how efficient they are looking. Now, uh, the running game just picked up where they left off. Now they played a bunch of young guys. On the offensive side of the ball, let's stay there for now, they seem to be on schedule. They seem to be doing everything they want to do and prove to themselves and put on film and get better at as they head to Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't really have anything to <laughs> what do you say, say? Yeah, negatively about what they've done. Maybe 
they could have thrown to the tight end more. I, I mean, I, I it's don't know. crazy. It's <laughs> they've blocked great. They've run great. Skylar Thompson has only had what nine incompletions in two games, and four of them um, were drops. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm ready for him to play a team with a pulse. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I know Nichols was a good FCS team, but Bowling Green's trash. Yeah. They, sorry, Falcons, you're trash. Yeah, they was, were. I, I knew they'd be a step back from Nichols, but I didn't think they'd be that big of a step back. I mean, people people around here all talked about the 58-0 Bowling Green massacre from '97, and this could have been worse than that. But they played 11 true freshmen. That was crazy. It would. It it it, it was like Oklahoma versus K State last year. They, the K State could have had 75 points if they wanted. Yeah. Just, just think that whenever they play again, if you're the Bowling Green coach, if you score one point, you've now raised the bar against K State. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, would that not be the easiest job on the face of the earth? It's like, well, we but, go in and score a field goal, guys. We've now set a scoring record against K-State. Well, the, the, or next, safety. the next Bowling Green AD who agrees to play a game at Kansas State should just be fired. <laughs> yeah. That should be strict, like, a blacklisted. Do, do no you more remember, playing K-State. Or, do you remember anything about that game in 98? I all? don't. I just I, didn't I, know if you could, like, I oh. don't, but in fairness, let's. I want to point this out that I, I was stunned by the stat that Two 500-yard games to open the season was a record. Yeah, they'd never done first time because in those in that sweet spot of K-State football, really talking 95 to 2003, this is what the non-conference looked like. Yeah, and Bill was scheduling three, four teams like this when they were in the uh, Big Eight. You had four non-conference games, and it really was as soft as you could get. Because he was still in the mode of, we want to be rolling, we want to build confidence, we want to, quote, stair-step our way into conference play. Now, it got a little absurd when they got really good and he was still doing that because they could make higher stairs to yeah. step onto. But this is what they did. They went out and they got teams from the very beginning. Quite often what would happen is he would defer. That was the difference with Kleiman. He took the ball. He would defer, give the other team the ball, create a turnover score, get the ball, score, <laughs> and 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 then, you know, get the ball in the second half and score. And then all the starters would come out. And he always said, Kellis, I want to get as many guys in as possible. But then in the later years, he wouldn't do the things to make that possible. Kleiman's doing – he's out Snydering Snyder in some ways right now. Lots of guys are playing. They're putting – a nominal amount of stuff on film. They really haven't run a ton of stuff. It's all new to us, but yeah. it's pretty basic stuff for what they want to do. But I will say Clyman has yeah. not had a chance yet to pick on the coin toss, though. Yeah, he, he won this one, didn't he? No, no, no. Oh, no, they both, deferred. But yeah, but, well, yeah, both uh, the visitors have won the coin toss. Oh, did they? they? They've, yeah, they've deferred both times. I thought, I thought uh, K-State won this one. Mm -mm. So once again, I'm lying. No, it's fine. I've been lying a lot lately. <laughs> Just edit that out. Edit that part out. No, I'm going to leave it in uh, <laughs> because I need to be humble. Yeah. Uh, speaking of humble, Tyler, uh, you were new to this last year with Snyder, yep. so uh, this is all kind of new to you. Uh, so I want to get your take on what the atmosphere was like Saturday because you're down on the field filming quite a bit. I was actually pretty interested to see it just because, you know, an 11 a.m. kick, the person you find me who likes an 11 a.m. kick is a fan and going to be the first. I know as a media members, we tend to enjoy it because it maybe means an earlier trip home, but you know, it's, it's usually a little bit more dead, I think. But I was impressed, man, especially particularly with the history against Bowling Green. Everybody's probably expecting a blowout. Is a game you could skip? Probably be that one. But I thought it was lively. It was it was fun. The students were in there early. Uh, had some shaking shoes and keys at me and stuff. Uh, one 
one actually did not agree with the uh, the Chiefs chant before the game. He made it a point to tell me he was a Broncos fan, which was brave of him to do. I'm not going to lie, but uh, it was fun. Honestly, I thought it was a really good atmosphere. So let's back up. They were shaking shoes at you. If somebody had a pair of shoes. Like, you know, you know how the kids, like, they got their keys or whatever, then shake them, or I can't remember for what, but somebody had a pair of shoes, and I was like, why do you have your shoes off in the stadium, a public stadium, like, probably not very clean to do that, you know, but well, that's just it, was, uh, it was interesting. Am I wrong, but shoes don't make noise when you shake them? Yeah, was there something no, in them? No, I mean. Unless they're special No, shoes. nothing in them. Nothing at all. <laughs> I only no. wear those on weekends. Um, let's let's just fast forward. I mean, guys, we could talk about Bowling Green all we want, and we're going to cover that ground, and it's been covered, and what do you say? Um, but let's move on to the defense, because they've taken a total of 85 snaps, Kellis, 85 snaps in two games, which is not uncommon in one Big 12 game. They The starters probably have taken 60 total, or if not less. This is going to be a huge challenge for them, not only in competition, but in wear and tear. Yeah. To be on the be on the field in the fourth quarter and not be fresh. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark heading into this game is not only how does the defense respond to, you know, playing a team that can actually challenge them a little bit, but how do they do it after taking so much time off and facing basically zero adversity in the first two games? Um, I mean, their team has won an ag- by an aggregate score of 101 to 14 through two weeks. No challenge at all. Um, what, what's their leading tackler had? Five tackles? Yeah, that was in game crazy. one this week. Their leading tackler was four. I re- very much doubt they're gonna. the offense is going to be on the field for 40-plus minutes at Mississippi State. So how do they respond to that? What do they do when they start running downhill and actually pick up some first downs? That's what I'm probably most eager to see here. I agree how they respond. Scotty Hazleton said before the first game, Ryan, we're not going to be vanilla. We're going to do our stuff. And then he's been vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. I mean, they're doing just their basic stuff right now. But why not? I mean, you don't need to show anything right now. You're getting it done. I mean, Bowling Green was 0 of 13 on third and fourth down conversions. I'm not what, – what do you improve on there? You know, you steal the ball every down? I don't, I don't understand. Sacks, I mean, I guess really the – yeah, sacks. I guess like, like the only that, category. Yeah. And, and specifically from the front four, because I know that's something that both Reggie Walker and Trey Deshaun said after Saturday's game is that you know, we were glad that Daniel Green finally got that first sack. But you know, as a front four, and specifically these two seniors, they're like, "Hey, we, we've got to, we've got to up the pressure from us because we can't be expecting you know linebackers and defensive backs to be getting those getting those numbers." And, and I guess, I, like I said, that probably would only be the, the one thing is yes, they have not gotten a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback yet. That, that, that like I said, maybe would be the only real. From the from the front four would be the only real criticism I think you could have right now of the the defense. Tyler, you you spent time in this neck of the woods down at in the South Mississippi State. What's K State walking into in Starkville? Uh, well, I think the quarterback situation is going to be kind of interesting for State because I think Tommy Stevens left their last game against Southern Miss with an upper body injury, and uh, if I'm reading correctly, uh, coming in this week, he kind of they don't know what's going to happen with him. As backup, Keaton Thompson entered the transfer portal and then decided to not transfer from Mississippi State. So, if Stevens can't go, is Thompson going to come in, or are they going to bring in like Tommy Schrader, third string uh, young guy, to be in there? But for them, it's the running game, man. And Kylan Hill, K State got a pretty good taste of him last year. To the beast. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I don't know if, if you want to go watch a highlight in the last game. He straight just hurdled the dude from Southern Miss. That was pretty 
ridiculous, and he was one of the top running back recruits, not only in Mississippi while I was there, but the country. And uh, he's he's a problem. So I think getting a taste of him is going to be one heck of a step up from anything they've seen so far this year. Yeah, give me a quick evaluation of how annoying the cowbells are. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I can give you uh, a real description of it. It's really something you got to kind of experience yourself. It's like I got numb to it after three years, but it's pretty annoying. Like as, as a whole, like as an opposing fan or anything, yeah, it's it's not fun. And Davis Wade is a fun atmosphere. And I mean, I know the SEC has a reputation for you know a bunch of different stadiums, but. Davis Wade was one of the more rocking ones that I got to go to uh, during that time. It, it was a fun place. Well, I was going to say, you know, I mean, I, I was obviously not there as much as Tyler, but I mean, I've been there twice. And the only thing I can really compare it to sound wise, and I guess if you guys aren't familiar with these, and it wouldn't make sense either, it just sounds like if there was like a, a swarm of cicadas. If you guys know what cicadas yeah. sound like, that's, yeah, that's a I'm good, imagining that's it being like the Vuvuzelas. Mm, it's yeah, a different, in, uh, it's a different South sound African though. Soccer. But I guess it's it'd be somewhat similar. I mean, it's the synchronization and the uniformity of them that is like, you know, there's specific rules as to like when you can ring them and such. And I think the, if I remember correctly, they'll flash it like on the board of when you can't like ring them. Which is always really funny to me. It's like you're trying to control an element that's pretty tough to control as a whole. Yeah, I think, isn't it like they're allowed to do it, you know, all the way down to when the ball is snapped and then they're supposed to stop? I think that's, of course, it doesn't seem like I I recall that ever getting actually enforced, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I think they've had to start enforcing it a little bit. Throw a flag once in a while, it gets straightened out. Yeah. That's... But but I'll just say that, you know, Tyler, you know, I don't like this maybe making this – like I'm some kind of elitist, but I will say, because like there were some other people when I used to cover Auburn and we'd go there and they would talk about, it's like the most annoying, loud sound ever. And I'm like, I mean, if you guys have ever been to like any kind of stock car or drag racing or something, it's nowhere close to that at all. No, no. But if you've like, if you've literally never been to something louder than like this football game, then yeah, probably that will be the, and like I'll even say, it's not even necessarily it is that it's loud. It is just kind of annoying. And I do think, like Tyler, I think over time, probably by the second quarter, I'd say, okay, it'll just be kind of like background noise at that point, I would think. But there were certain people uh, I knew on the Auburn beat who would go there and they would sit with earplugs in their ears the whole game because they just hated it that much. And I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. That's you do yeah. you. That was me in the swing press box at Texas A&M. Oh, really? Yeah, the, when the press box would sway, I, it actually kind of make me seasick. Really? Yeah. See, I loved that. I hate that they with that new press box. Apparently, it doesn't do that anymore. Well, that cuts out a lot of the fun, right? I mean, because when you covered a game at Texas A and M, you felt a sense of danger that you yeah. might die. Well, and the, I remember they would even put on the ga- on the game notes. They would say, you know, please do not be disturbed. It's just part of the way this press box is that it will sway. Just like you know, you put it in big bold letters, and I was like, oh man, this is this is awesome. Yeah, I thought no problem the first time I was there. I turned green, and one of the ushers said, you want to back up away from the windows? I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Got any ice cream sandwiches? <laughs> I'm, I'm a hard worker. Uh, Kellis, one of the fun parts of our job is going to places like this. Now, I'm out this weekend. Um, my boys are going, uh, but I stay at home now, so I miss out on this. But, man, going to new venues, one of the fun things about our job, and just seeing the whole culture, the stadium, uh, experiencing it. At the end of the day, it's work, and we're busy, but it's also fun to change the venue. 
for sure. I I was happy when they added this game on the schedule, at least until I realized how difficult it was to get to Stark Vegas. Yeah, um, it's not easy. But uh, but yeah, getting there, seeing the cowbells, um, you know, seeing everybody support a SEC school on the road will be fun. Uh, pretty much every you know road non conference venue I've been to has been pretty sweet. So I've been on the beat, other than like North Texas, that was kind of lame. That was, that was the worst press box ever. Um, Vanderbilt, that was basically a. K State home game that yeah. wasn't SEC school in name only exactly uh, football but but other than that Stanford was a lot of fun Miami was great way back in the day it was great um, see that yeah, Stanford so game sounds really cool one. that would have been a cool game you know Stanford was pretty uh, it, it was cool to go out there it was cool to kind of experience it and see the campus but the stadium itself the crowd it was lame. It was lame. It yeah, just there wasn't much interest in the game. There's more purple there than yep. Cardinal, which is funny. Well, I mean, they were probably busy, you know, protesting like a tree that was going to get cut down or or something. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, there's you know, important stuff going on there in Palo Alto. Yeah, they got a lot of other things to worry about. <laughs> okay. And they're smarter than me, so I I'm love not trees. I, I recycle. I'm just I'm just joking. That's kind of what they're known. I was for. disappointed. The band. We're way off track now, but the Stanford band was a disappointment. Well, we really got shafted that day because the students weren't in session oh, yet. That's and that right. really that wasn't even their band. Oh. I was told it was like the Palo Alto well, high school band. So oh. that's why they were so tame. Well, that that well, then you got you to mention that from the jump. The, the tree. The tree was legit. They had like the actual mascot guy doing the tree stuff so that was fun but yeah no so there students, were no students no there, band though. uh it was i mean it was as bad an atmosphere oh well, that's too as bad you get but the, the environment was cool and when i left that game i'll never forget this their sid when i was leaving said hey uh we've got uh an abundance of extra food and drinks so on your way out take as many uh pizzas as you want and oh, as many wow. uh and take a full case of beer if you want it. So I, I left had, the Stanford football press box with a case of Fud Light and like three pizzas. Nice. I didn't. You I mean, I cover Stanford. <laughs> Man, I didn't think that they like willingly gave alcohol out in press boxes. It's old school. Twenty sixteen yeah. when this would have private school. Oh well, okay, yeah, private school. You're right. Yeah, not. that's very old school. You know. This gets to my philosophy about the media, and this kind of fits the whole tree force thing we're into right now. Totally off track, Kansas yeah. State football. But I've always compared the media to bears because to get us to come back, you got to feed us, but eventually we'll tear up your camp. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to attack you, climb in oh, your yeah. car. We'll get unruly. Very good. Well, we are in the woods, and let's take a little break right now <laughs> and get, get back on track with the uh, GoPowerCat.com PowerCat Insiders podcast that is turned outside. I don't know how that works. We're sponsored by Commerce. We'll be right back. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. 
Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Insiders Podcast sponsored by Commerce Bank. And we have a ceremonial passing of the reads going on here in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. You can read whichever one you want, Ryan Black. You are up. Give me some magic. Oh, okay. I was just making sure uh, I can read any of the three, but any I don't want to repeat. Any of the three. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the second one just to go sequentially here. Uh, Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank challenge except wait a second is that the same one that kellis read no very that's, similar no that's They're similar mine was a little longer that, that oh. ends with challenge accepted that challenge accepted I, I guess i didn't accept the challenge well enough because i quit <laughs> midstream do you want me to go to the third one <laughs> yeah, yeah, do read the third one it's a five second read. whatever funny <laughs> hey kellis cut me some slack here this is my first read Jeez, louise you guys whatever financial challenges come your way commerce bank can help commerce bank Challenge accepted. Bam! There you oh. go. Yeah, Bam. challenge accepted. <laughs> a little twang to it. I like oh, it. I, I hope that makes people go and sign up. Now let's let's back up here, Griever. Where were you at before you came to Topeka? So our listeners know that you covered Mississippi State a little bit. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, for three years, and we covered we covered both schools. We covered Ole Miss and Mississippi State, kind of similar to the situation I'm in now. And you did that two-hour. Drive. Did you go oh, up the yeah. Natchez Trace? Natchez Trace, yeah. That's actually, I really didn't like driving on that because the speed limit's like 55. Oh. And it should not be 55. It's a pain. Hmm. It's a pain in the ass, like big time. <laughs> but, um, plus yeah, it's no, too it's scenic. But yeah, it's like they want you to, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm trying to get to where I need to be. I used to drive on that a lot when I went to Alcorn State, too, one of the HBCUs we covered. Hmm. And, yeah, it was really very annoying. Hmm. I was just like, you get to, like, 60, 55, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Not trying to get pulled over in the station car. Can't have that happen. Okay. What would happen if that happened, by the way? Do you get, like, your driving privileges revoked by the station or what? I mean, nah. I mean, it, it happens. Like, you know, we have, obviously, we have an insurance policy on the cars and such. So, I mean, it, it gets handled. Having said that, though, I mean, you you would like to avoid those situations at all costs. I'm not trying to speak from personal experience. Um, I'll leave that to another time, but still. Well, I'm just going to put you down as someone that's opposed to roadside beauty. You yeah. can you can say yeah. it's about speed limit, but you just don't like beautiful things. Well, I mean, hey, you know, that's kind of one of the beautiful things about Kansas. It's just like I can go 75 on 70, and it's just fields, 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 more fields, and I can stay focused on the road, you know. I look at it as a good thing. Okay, whatever. Well, I've heard a rumor, uh, Fitz, that the, you're really more disappointed you're not going to be getting to drive on that than not covering the game. That's just I rumor. am. No, no. Okay, because yeah. I've been on the trace before, but up in Tennessee. It's an old Indian trail they've turned into a scenic highway that angles across Mississippi between Jackson and, yeah. and Starkville. That's that's all yeah, I know. Are you forcing about like, Riley and Zach to take that road? They can do whatever they want as long as they understand I'll be disappointed if they oppose roadside beauty like Tyler Griever. Hey man, it's about I want to say two and a half to Starkville from Jackson. Well, two fifteen. I'll say two fifteen. It's like almost three hours going to Old Miss. Old Miss is like closer to Memphis. You know, it's weird. It's a weird situation. I, I would just say that I agree with Tyler in this way. Uh, 
I'm not going to at all go into any of my driving history because it's somewhat of a just. A, but I will say that I agree with him that when I'm working, I want to get where I'm getting to quickly. But if I'm on an off day, then yeah, I would love to enjoy the scenic, uh, like you said, not just the scenic views, but I guess I'm sure there are plaques and other things off the roadside saying the history of this highway. And I'm very geeky about that kind of stuff myself. Like, heck, the first part of the interstate was completed here in Kansas, and you see the little thing with with Eisenhower on it. Yeah. Which is Pretty cool yeah. deal. Hey, uh, you are flying into Memphis, Kellis. This is a really hard-hitting edition of this Man, podcast. yes. Oh, man, people are going to love all of this travel <laughs> yeah, talk. You are. You <laughs> Media are, is what we eat and drink in the press box. Yeah, flying into <laughs> Memphis, which is a longer drive, but an easier flight route. It was kind of a trade-off. You went to Jackson, a shorter drive. Memphis, a little more convenient flight, longer drive. But uh, I don't care about all that. Are you going, are, 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 where are you going with all are that? You going, are you going to Graceland? Oh, my God. Come on. Um, you get it? Because you usually fly I, early, don't you? Uh, I am flying out on Friday, but I've stopped in Graceland before. I've okay. seen it. I'll probably skip it this time. Th- that's the only reason, you know, if they, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this recent bowl projection, but somebody had K-State going to Memphis uh, to play. I'm trying to remember who it was. Point was, uh, that, you know, I've, I've ne- that's one of the bigger southern cities I've never been to. And so I would. Memphis is, Memphis has its rough parts, but it's, yes, first, very it's cool got town. some real charm. So I've heard. Hey, you gotta we go we to spent a week there for the Liberty Bowl. That was about six days too long. <laughs> Central Barbecue in Memphis was my spot. Mm. I love Central. That yep. place is so good. Ribs there, untouched. Okay, so I promised. I promised that I'd get you out of the woods, and now I've got you into the swamps. So uh, <laughs> let me, let's get back to K State football. Uh, I think they prefer the the word Bayou. Uh, yes, just swamps, Florida. Is there either a swamp or Bayou in Mississippi, though? Oh yeah. They've got bayous. Is it? Yeah, they get they're kind of swampy in some parts, not All the parts right. you'll be in. Southern Mississippi, Louisiana. So yeah, yeah. What does Kansas State need to do in this game to leave Starkville with a victory, which would be very unexpected if you'd asked me three weeks ago, and now I see it in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I'm the same there with you. Preseason, I really didn't give them a whole lot of a chance here, but now I think it's it's. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I don't know that I'll pick them to win, but not shocked by any means. I think the big thing will be on defense. I think they've shown enough on offense already. I think they'll score between 21 and 28 and have enough offense to win regardless. But after seeing what Hill did to him last year and just what they did on the ground, it was like Colin Klein-esque, you know, get the ball to the quarterback. He runs forward, either gives it to the running back or keeps it, and they just churn out clock. After seeing how effective they were at that last year, um, I've got some doubts that they can shut it down this time, even under uh, a new defensive coordinator and with a new swagger. But that's that to me, that's what they have to do. They have to limit Mississippi State there. Well, what I'd say is based off our conversation is, you know, maybe regardless of what the scoreboard says, you'd say they're winners if, as long as they travel up the Natchez Trail oh, at some point. Yes. <laughs> But it, it, we it, all are well, winners. I don't think the team is taking that drive up. <laughs> Appreciating just, American just, history is important. I just had to say that. But yes, in, in all seriousness, I think uh, to Kellis's point is they've they've got to find a way to slow down Hill because uh, again he just man he tore them up last season. Uh, when you flip when you flip sides of the ball. Uh, you know I remember and I'm paraphrasing obviously because I don't remember word for word, but the, the, all the talk going in last year's game was how good. Mississippi State's defensive line was. And, yeah, and they were. And they were. 
And I remember we talked to Skylar Thompson before the game, you know, during the week, and he just mentioned, yeah, you know, they look really big and long on film. But then we talked to him after the game, and he's like, wow. not a, They were bigger and longer than I thought, and they move really, really fast for their size. So, like I said, they're not as good up, up front this year. But I still think, no. again, it's – thank you, Tyler. And, I, and I, so I don't think <laughs> – yeah, oh, I just don't. I mean, I, I don't mind him chiming in if he needs – was there a point you want to make, Tyler? I'm fine to see it over to you. I understand it's kind of a hard deal here where you're on the phone and, and you know it's oh no did I just should I not have said that no we, we clearly know he's on the okay, phone well, I didn't want people to think oh yeah. Ryan just divulged some kind of big secret no here. no we can tell by the connection because uh, he's in Lawrence and they don't have a very good phone system there <laughs> still, still, it's kind of archaic you're familiar with both of these programs what does Kansas State need to do to win this sucker I think control the ball man honestly I mean I think that's the thing I've been most impressed with for two games is that you know, they're playing like kind of a smash mouth brand of football. I mean, you, you cycle in three different backs, all who are capable, and you control the ball that much, you're going to be able to beat pretty much anybody. And I think the more you can try and make whoever's going to play a quarterback from them, if it's Stevens or whoever else, the more you can try and make that guy beat you, I think you're going to have a better shot. Because Mississippi State's only been able to find you know, pretty solid running backs here and there, but. Skill position-wise on the outside, I don't think they're strong. Kind of similar to K-State in that moment. They're going to try to run the ball and kill a lot. If you can slow that down enough and get it back, I think they have the better quarterback. Yeah. I think Skyler's the better quarterback in this game. And I think you lose guys like Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. who are both NFL players now. It's first and second round guys. You can win that battle up front. Yep go on the road and handle it with your running game and more experience with that. And that's one thing I don't think we brought up, which, and again, we have to keep putting this in, framing it within the terms of, okay, the competition has been great. But you guys remember last year, it was all that talk about how great the offensive line was. And the first few weeks of the season, they they were terrible. And so yeah, far, I mean, they're, they're, this offensive line is going down there with a ton of confidence. I agree. You know, so I don't think that can be downplayed either. The, because last year when they played Mississippi State, that offensive line was still trying to find itself. The, yeah. the other thing well, I want to see in this game, and I think is key, is third down conversions. Yep. Because yep. they have they haven't. I mean, they've been efficient on offense. They haven't been all that explosive. They've really just been living off getting in third and short, third and medium, and then converting it and controlling the clock. And you know what? They were like ten to twelve in game one. What were they last week? It was. I could have brought the stats in, but I didn't. Yeah, don't they rank first in in the country in third down conversion? Yeah. Yeah, So, So, and again, I think that's where the weak competition comes in. Bowling Green and Nichols just put up no fight in those situations. Mississippi State will. So what happens if they're only batting 50-50, only batting 500 third down conversions? How much does that change well, things? You know, Kellis wrote about him uh, after this last game, you know, can Malik Knowles make those kind of contested catches against legit uh, a step up in competition, honestly? Yeah. Like, when it's thir- if it's third and seven or third and six and the running game is not going – can Skyler put a 50-50 ball up there to gain 15 yards and keep a drive alive to a guy like Malik? Like, I think that's what I'm as intrigued to see as anything else in this game. Well, and I was going to say what you guys were just mentioning about adversity is, I mean, we expect, I mean, I'm not saying it won't happen, but we expect that they will actually face real adversity Saturday. And, sure. and, you know, that's something that neither the offense nor defense has faced at any at any point yet. You know, because then uh, you think about it, it'd be one thing if they had won games 45-38, which means obviously the defense has faced some adversity. Or, you know, if they had won 7-0 to zero and obviously the offense. But, like, 
neither unit has been tested at all. And I just think that's maybe the only negative ever, you know, about winning games so convincingly. Is You're because, too good. You yeah. think, we still don't know enough about you. You're, the disparity between K-State and the competition has been shocking. Yes. And you Absolutely. really, those third down conversions have skewed the time of possession. Yep. Uh, that's, you know, you, you want to talk about offense and defense, but really you just look at those third down conversions for and against. That's why the time of possession is so obscene. Mm-hmm. 40 plus minutes a game opposed to 20 or fewer minutes. It's it's crazy. I've never really seen that. So you see that in a game, but over two games, it's mm-hmm. crazy. But if K-State can get into the 35-25 range. They're going to be in great shape against Mississippi State, and that is Clyman's formula, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and one thing, Tim, that I think is, is kind of interesting, whenever we get in these SEC Big 12 like matchups, I swear everybody wants to get on this, oh, it's a you know, Big 12 high-flying offense coming into play. Uh, you know, Can they play physical yeah. football against an SEC team? Kansas State's not like that. No. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't fit that profile at all. And I think, you know, for Mississippi State fans or SEC fans who who are maybe too used to the Big 12 uh, stereotype, you know, K-State's got a chance to come in there and open some eyes and like, yo, if you come in and expect some type of finesse football, like, that's not going to happen here. And if, if, if they can win that battle up front, which is clear where they got manhandled in that last year, that's the difference. I mean, you come in and punch them in the mouth early and show them that it's not going to be that type of game and show them that you can beat an SEC team in their house at that type of game, it's a whole different ball game out yeah, there. Yeah, I agree. Kellis, what does it mean for K-State football if they go down there and win? It just <laughs> well, redefines everything, uh, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, that would validate everything they've done so far. That's really the only thing you can say is that, yeah, the first two games have been perfect, but the competition hasn't been existent. Um, and that's why they haven't even gotten a vote in the top 25 no. yet. Uh, but they are number 25 in Sagarin right now, which which weighs in uh, victory margin. So if they were to go out and win this game, you know, I think they'd be knocking on the door there in the national polls, if not in it. And I think that would really send a message to everybody that um, – you know, for whatever reason, things didn't click last year, but now, you know, they're capable of, of a lot more and probably contenders in the Big 12 if they win this game. Brian, if they win? Well, I, I, I do want to say, hold on, I don't know if I want to say, I mean, even if they win, it, it is a big deal. But to then make the jump from there to contending in the Big 12, uh, I still would not feel confident picking K-State over uh, OU or Texas. Well, no. maybe I mean, contenders that, more like the well, number yeah. three ish. Okay, type. upper half. Okay, well you didn't say that. They're so a pick for nine, so I would say yeah. contending is upper half. Okay, no, in that, in that case, then, then no question because, and then think about this, guys. I mean, they win, then they're going into their first open date. Yeah. Man, could you think of a better way if you're not just climbing and the, and the coaching staff and the team, but just the fan base, how they're going to feel three and zero, and now they got a week to celebrate and they got a week, an extra week to prepare for going at Oklahoma State. I mean, man, that I, uh, I mean, I don't know if you could think of a more perfect way to script it. Uh, I will say one last thing about that I'm so uh, fascinated to watch Saturday is. What is the communication going to be like for, for the offense right. in terms of now that they're actually going to finally have to deal with noise? They haven't had to deal with that yep. so far. And especially, again, when Obnoxious we, noise. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. And, and then you add in this extra thing we've already touched on with the cowbells. I mean, how, how is 
Thompson and that offensive line and a fairly young receiving group outside of Schoen, how are they going to respond? I will say that, I mean, hey, Thompson has shown he can go on the road and win. He's, you know, led him to victory in that crazy game a couple of years ago at Oklahoma State. Come back at Texas Tech. I mean, he's shown he can go on the road and win games. But, uh, yeah, I just I have questions about the rest of the unit and the fact, hey, this is the first time he's going on the road with this coaching staff. Tyler, I assume you're not going. That it wasn't in your big travel budget. Are you going to no, miss tough. going home? Yeah, I I was actually I thought it would have been fun to, to, to not home, but it would have been fun to see some people that you know I spent a couple of years working with and such. But um, you know, I came into the year expecting them to be like a five or six loss team, probably, somewhere. Yeah. Yes, somewhere in that ballpark. You get a win like this, I say you maybe drop that down to like three to four, something like maybe even two if, if everything goes really well. Honestly, right. uh, I think that's how it changes for me, and I, I think this is it's kind of a big opportunity for Skylar Thompson, really, in, in in the eyes of you know such a quarterback-driven conference as a whole. You know, everybody knows about Jalen Hurts, everybody knows about Sam Ellinger. Whoever's playing at Oklahoma State or Texas Tech every year, you know, they're going to get the hype. Brock but, Purdy. Yeah, Brock Purdy's also very good. Good mention. I think it's a good chance for Skyler to go on the road in a first full-time, you know, year as a starter and show some people, you know, this is why he wanted the opportunity. It's a win that the program really could use, I think. I think it's a big chance for him to show what he's capable of, which I – you know, I think his ceiling is pretty high. And for Kansas State, it's not just an opportunity to win in an SEC venue. It's also an opportunity to win on ESPN right after college game day. They've got, they Correct. ended up in the sweet spot, and it's it's huge for the program, isn't it? It's probably a little big for the Big 12, too, as a whole, you know. It is. After last weekend with Texas and, and what Missouri did to West Virginia, which is apparently not very good, this is really important for the Big 12. Even though it's two teams perceived to be lower teams in their conference this season, they they can't afford to lose another game like that. I I don't want to look sure. too far ahead here, but in the same conversation of what happens if they win this game, um, if they if they win again, if and go to three and zero, it's really quite possible they could start six and zero. They could before Oklahoma comes here. No, yeah, for sure. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and TCU are after that. They could win all those games. I mean, if they could beat Mississippi State on the road, why not? That's that opens up a world of possibilities. If it they certainly does. Game. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it, it, yeah, like I said, if they win, that that's we'll just use that hypothetical for the moment. So that's three and zero. I can, in good conscience, pick them over OU or Texas. But then Iowa State, I'm not sure about them personally after the how just. You know, uneven they looked in their opener. Uh, Baylor, I kind of view as a toss-up game. I, I honestly would pick uh, K State as a favorite over TCU right now, just because of the benefit of that open week before. Right. Um, and then sure. Oklahoma State, you know, I'm not 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 too sure on them yet either. But I, I think, like you said, Kellis, uh, I mean, there, there's certainly that possibility. There's certainly that possibility they could be six and zero, uh, and we'll just. But hey, they got to get to they got to get to yeah, three and zero first, or they lose it and they start two and four. Oh, right. yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's the, that defines how important this might be. I bet, but you know, if we do this podcast long enough, we could have them winning the national championship and then the Super Bowl. We could. They've handled Patrick Mahomes before. This is possible. There you go. Tyler uh, and Ryan, you guys are SEC guys. you got a little experience with Starkville. Do you have any fan recommendations? If you're in Starkville, do – Go for it. Tyler probably would be a much – because he was there a lot more than I was. Like I said, I'll cede to his judgment here. Okay, here we go. There's there's an Italian place 
Uh, it's primarily a pizza joint called Stromboli's, um, but I'm not going to recommend the the. I got a calzones there that were awesome, like really good stuff, or calzones, Stromboli, whichever you want to go with. I'm going to recommend though. I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. They make these uh, these cookie dough bites, were like uh, basically like warm with like essentially cookie dough and chocolate inside, where you can put some chocolate syrup on them. Oh my god. They're amazing. So They're when I when I think of Starkville, I think Italian food. <laughs> yeah, I know clearly. But this is what you you know. I'm sure you expect me to say, oh, you know, go get some catfish or something, you know, some fried chicken somewhere. It's like, nah, man. Stromboli's is always the spot I would hit up. Uh, maybe before a game, after a game. Uh, Little Dewey Barbecue is good. There we go. Solid. I know. I, rec- I recommend uh, barbecue places with a little bit of hesitation to people from this neck of the woods because no. the, the bar is already high, but. Uh, it is solid, and that's, that's another good place to check out. Yeah, I wish, Tyler, I could remember there was a place the last time I was there that I ate with some of the members of the Auburn Beat that was really good, and I think it was a fairly new place that had got rave reviews. And like I said, I remember it being quite good, and I just cannot What remember. kind of food was it? Um, they were like I, – I put this, they were more like fine dining. I mean, it wasn't crazy expensive, but it wasn't like, you know, like you go in there and get huh. two or three items for a dollar. I mean, it was a little bit higher price. And I, I remember uh, I had – Remember, it was like it was a. I had like a seafood plate, which I really enjoyed, and some other people had, um, like pasta. And I wish, like, I just wish I could remember the name of it. I do too. I feel bad. I do too. Oh. Now, now our our poor listeners are like, well, hell, that sounds delicious, but yeah. where is it? I will, I will I will reach back out to the people on the Auburn Beat who maybe remember like going there, uh, to, to it because I like I went with a group and, you know, I. I just I can't remember the name of it. I apologize. If I had known the way it was going to be asked this, I would have I would have yeah. researched beforehand, Fitz. Well, the problem with that is that asks me to prepare yeah. for this, and and we just don't prepare around here. Yeah, well, I mean that's we, what people no. can tell by my just complete fumbling of the read the read through thing. Hey, here. you did fine. You could have always just said Bojangles or something. They got there. Oh, I love there. Bojangles. I, I I hope they get hey, one. Bojangles is the truth, brother. Bowberry We add this breaking update to this podcast. The restaurant is named Restaurant Tyler. So it's actually named after Tyler Griever, and Ryan Black could not remember the name. Restaurant Tyler in Starkville is his recommendation, although he doesn't know the name of Restaurant Tyler. It looks delicious. Now back to the podcast. There's been a vote for a cookout. Oh, yeah, cookout. oh, cookout's great. Cookout's uh, where we ate. No, I've never, yeah. I've never eaten there. They got that. Now, now I can say th- something about cookout. Is that you know that's where I ate after both. Well, actually, step back. I think they had just opened in Starkville in 2016. At least one location. And man, yeah. like it was. I mean, the people after that game, it was like the the line to get through it was like out. Way into the street, so it took forever. But what, what kind of food is cookout? Uh, well, fast it is everything. Eclectic fast food. Yes. I mean, they've got. They've just got everything. It, it's you got to get a five dollar tray because you could get like a barbecue sandwich, yep. a corn dog, and like a quesadilla. Yep, for five bucks. And that's I pretty mean, much the cornerstone of my food triangle, right there. Yeah. <laughs> not not that I'm encouraging people listening to this who are going to go and might drink, but I've heard it's great hangover food. 
There we oh, go. Oh, it's amazing hangover food. That, but I'm saying I don't want to try to endorse people no. getting, you know, out of control. Let's oh, be honest okay. here. These are K-Staters. A lot of them will be hungover. Uh, well, yes. Particularly Maybe if they're staying cool. Saturday night in Starkville after an 11 a.m. game. If K-State wins, they won't only be hungover. They'll be in jail. Oh. That's because that's how they roll. Yeah. Well, that's get a milkshake and cook down there. Yes, get a milkshake. Oh, Definitely get a milkshake. Unmatched, unmatched, man. They're so good. Also, uh, Bulldog Burger is another really good restaurant. Um, it's kind of like a, a little bit nicer of a burger joint. I want to say it's downtown, maybe in the Cotton District. Um, that place is legit. That's another good spot that just popped in my head. That's going to be fun. I hope K-Staters can make that trip down to Starkville. I know a lot of people are. I know a lot of people wanted to go. It's not easy staying there. Very short on hotel rooms. Yeah. Uh, so get down there and enjoy the game. If not, watch on TV and then get ready for a post-game podcast immediately after the game with myself and Brian Hanley. He will be in studio here in Manhattan with me. As he oddly comes to Manhattan on an off week. I'm not sure how that worked out, but we will have a post-game podcast up as soon as that game is over. Uh, we'll wait till probably after the Coach Kleiman interview and player interviews on the radio, and then we will go live with that. And we appreciate you listening to this week's PowerCat Insiders podcast sponsored by Commerce Bank. We didn't have Matt Walters, and it was fantastic because we brought in our Mississippi State expert, Tyler Griever. You've been listening to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.